Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner with Deason, Garner, and Hanson. I'm in studio with my colleague attorney, Adam Hanson, and Cody Beeson, who is going to be operating the boards. And sitting across from me is Anna Karen, who's going to be keeping it clean. What we're going to be talking today about is a little bit of woke culture, where we're going with that, and what its effects on our society are. Let's talk a little bit about woke culture. There is this new individual on the scene. I don't know, he's probably been around a while, but he's new to me. In the past couple of months, I've seen a lot of clips um, of him on YouTube. His name is Constantine Kissin. And he, he was born in the Soviet Union, and it was before that crashed and burned. And he, he then grew up in England, and he's given a speech at Oxford. I'm not really sure what the setting for the speech is in Oxford, but it is at Oxford that he gives a speech, and um, it's wonderful. And it's something that everybody should hear, especially children, I call them children, individuals that are going through high school and, and college that are looking into the woke culture and, and d- determining whether or not to adopt that ideology. So here we go. This is Constantine Kissin at Oxford University. I'm going to vote for the proposition. I'm going to confess I will take your vote for granted. Tonight I am the Labour Party and you are the Red Wall. <laughs> now, I want to talk to those of you who are woke and who are open to rational argument. A small minority, I accept. (laughs) Because one of the tenets of wokeness is, of course, that your feelings matter more than the truth. But I believe in you. I believe there are those of you here who are woke, who are open to rational argument, so let me make one. We are told that your generation cares more than any other about one issue in particular, and that issue is climate change. We're told that many of you suffer from climate anxiety, You wish to save the planet. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshipping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. (laughs) Let us all accept right here, right now, that we are living through a climate emergency and our stocks of polar bears are running extremely low. I join you in this view. I truly do. Now, what are we to do about this huge problem facing humanity? What can we in Britain do? We can only do one thing. You know why? This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions, which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who don't care about saving the planet. You know why? Because they're poor. Because they're poor. I come from Russia, which is not a poor country, it's a middle-income country. 20% of households in Russia do not have an indoor toilet. What they have is an outdoor toilet. And I don't mean one of those nice port that we get here. I don't even mean a Glastonbury port I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground that holds the collected fermented memory of the last 10,000 visits. <laughs> How many of you are going to go home tonight and say, let's rip out our bathroom and erect a Siberian house in the back garden? (laughs) And if you're not, why should they? 120 million people in China do not have enough food. 
I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. Imagine you're Xi Jinping, the leader of China. When you were 10 years old, there was a revolution, a cultural revolution in your country. And people came and they put your father in prison. Your mother had to denounce him. Your sister killed herself. And you, no longer enjoying the protection of your formerly powerful father, were sent to a village where you lived in a cave house. And here you are, decades later. You have clawed your way up the bloody and greasy pole of Chinese politics to be the undisputed supreme leader of the very Communist Party that destroyed your family. And you know that the main thing you have to do to survive and to stay in power is to deliver the one thing that the people of China want, prosperity, economic growth. Where do you think climate change ranks on Xi Jinping's list of priorities? A third of all children who live in extreme poverty in the world live in India. That means they are starving and dying of preventable disease. Now, about 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. Not me, because we're old school. <laughs> and for nine months, we talked about what our boy would look like, what he might do when he grows up. We looked at baby scans and videos on YouTube about what the fetus looks like at nine months and 12 months and 20 months. And eventually he was born. And he is this cute little bundle of joy. He's cuter than about 80% of puppies. Right. <laughs> now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live, he would go to school. He would bring his first girlfriend home. He'd go to university and graduate and become a woke idiot. <laughs> and then he'd get a job and get married and have children and become a man. But all I have to do is press this button. And for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 is going to re get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young, and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled. You are not going to get these people to stay poor. You're not even going to get them to not want to be richer. And so, I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing we can do in this country to stop climate change, and that is to make scientific and technological breakthroughs that will create the clean energy that is not only clean, but also cheap. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. And we on this side of the house are not on this side of the house because we do not wish to improve the world. 
We sit on this side of the house because we know that the way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. Thank you very much. Now, of course, that was given in Oxford in um, England, and they have a much smaller carbon footprint on the global economy or global carbon footprint than the United States. But uh, the United States has 14%. Uh, still, it doesn't matter what, I mean, what we do, like he said, I mean, I, I say China, but Asia. Right. Asia is the deciding factor here. And South America. Yeah. I, I didn't really realize how big um, of an impact they were making. Absolutely. Any pre-industrialized country that is really starting to get their engine up and warmed up and going is going to contribute a lot more to carbon emissions than they have in the past. And United States, we could stop emitting carbon emissions right now forever. And it wouldn't have an impact. It would only decrease the, this is according to some of the, the most generous studies that have been done from the most accepted and, and mainstream global climatologists. And it would have an effect of reducing the global temperature within 100 years by about 1 to 2 degrees. Now, if we think that is our salvation, then we are already gone. That is not our salvation. We've increased by three degrees over the past hundred years. Our planet has become greener for it. There has been an argument that storms have become more frequent and more intense, but in realistic studies, there is no consensus that that's the truth. We do know that crops are yielding more now because there's more carbon in the atmosphere and crops like carbon. That crops are yielding more now because the growing season is longer and crops like longer stretches of warm weather. There are floods, there are droughts, there are fires, but there have always been those things. There, there have always been ups and downs as far as the earth warming and cooling. We're coming out of an ice age, and I think most of us agree that we would like to have uh, periods of time during the year where it gets warmer as opposed to living in perpetual ice. So there is an argument to be made that this whole global warming thing is a conspiracy for um, large, either government or just uh, the world economic forums and, and these world powers to gain control over policies throughout the world. They've already gained their wealth. They've already gained their prestige. Now they want to gain control over individual freedom. So that, that is my own conspiracy theory that I think a lot of people are now awakening up to. But the fact of the matter is the United States leads right now by a small margin, and it's, and it's growing ever more narrow economically and as far as its politics and issues of, of true social justice. And when I talk about that, I don't mean social justice that you have to use the correct pronoun. Social justice in, in the fact that um, we don't think that four-year-olds should be working 14-hour days in the mines, right? Or hauling up uh, rocks to be smashed into cobalt. And if we decide to step off 
that podium as number one, somebody is going to be more than happy to fulfill that role that will more likely than not be less humanitarian. Well, look at the humanitarian um, standards of who's number two. Right. China is out there saying these million Uyghurs that have disappeared in in these re-education camps um, have been treated totally humanely, and by them disappearing, that, that is not an indication or evidence whatsoever that they were worked to death producing Apple phones and, and the other things that we enjoy here in the West, that they just happened to disappear of their own volition and not because they were transported and their village left vacant, much like occurred. It's now approaching 60 years, no, 80 years ago during the Holocaust. But we're, we're all too keen to turn a blind eye to this because we're more in love with the electronics that come out of that and our relationship with China than we are truly following through with an ethical responsibility to make sure that um, the products and services that we have come through true humanitarian means. We're going to take a break. This is Life, Death, and the Law. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit YumaEstatePlanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I'm attorney Adam Hanson, and I'm in the studio today with Sean Garner, my law partner. We've got Cody working the boards, and we've got Anna Karen, our resident um, female. Can we say that on on air? (laughs) Keep us, uh, I don't know. She gives us the feminine touch, I guess. Um, And the last segment we discussed, is the world on fire? And, uh, you you know, you hear voices in the mainstream media that say that it is and that uh, we're all going to die. And because we use gas burning vehicles, we use and and uh, we use combustible engines, and, and that's going to kill the world. Um, is that true or not? And so we listened to a clip that Sean shared with us, and uh, as I listened to that clip, I felt like that that individual made some good points, and I jotted down some notes. To me, it's a three-part question. The very first question would be, is there climate change? Is there a, a change in the climate such that we need to worry about it. Number two, the second question is, okay, let's accept that there is. Even if you do accept that there is climate change, that climate change, is it going to be negative to the extent that it's going to be detrimental to humanity or to our planet? Okay. So is there climate change? Let's say yes. 
is it detrimental to it's it's so great or this climate change is so great that it is detrimental to humanity and animals and our planet let's say yes to that now that gets us to the third question is there something we can do about it yes okay let's say yes to that so now we're, we we've said yes to all these questions and well, okay. those are hard hurdles to cross yeah, in the beginning exactly. because the very first question that, that, that's is, a very big if but okay, well, exactly right. I'm I'm saying I'm I'll playing go along with you for the, here. for the for the next five minutes on that one. Yeah. So I mean, number one, the very first question: Is there climate change? You have all sorts of voices that say that there is. It depends on what you read, what you study, and there are other voices that say that there isn't. So that's what I'm saying. Let's just assume that there is on one, okay. two, and three of these. All these links in the chain are there, assumably. And I'm arguing that to say yes to all three of these questions that I jotted down, those are huge hurdles to overcome in the beginning. Right. But let's just assume that all three of those are yeses, okay? Yes, there's climate change. Yes, it will affect humanity to the extent that it's going to destroy us and our world, okay? Okay, is there something we can do about it? Let's say yes to that. What are the things that you can do about it? The first thing is, uh, number one, you change the mindset of the world population. That's what you'd have to do. Going back to what this guy was saying, he's saying, in England, we, we account for 2% of the carbon emissions. So even if we fell off into the, into the ocean... Um, there, we would have no effect on climate change. 2% of our carbon emissions is not going to change the world. And he argued that what's really the carbon emission culprit here is Asia and Latin America. And it's the poor people. They don't care about saving the planet. They care about eating day to day and finding uh, water sources that are clean. And so they're not going to why are you shaking your head? How self-centered and greedy can you be? Come on. <laughs> That's reality. I mean, you've traveled, you've lived in Brazil, Sean. You're going to deny me driving my SUV because you want to eat dinner? Well, that's the mindset. Every day. Individuals don't yeah. care about carbon <laughs> emissions when, you're, when you are starving on the street. Right. So the reality, let's talk about realities. If, if you are to change the mindset of Latin Americans and poor people in Asia, that is insurmountable. You can't do that. You cannot change a person's mindset. They have to change their mindset on their own. That's not going to happen. So that is not a viable option. That's not a solution. If, in fact, we even get to this third question, is there something we can do about it? Uh, number two, what can we do? Well, we can force people. We can force people to change their habits through government means. We can tax people for using uh, fossil fuels. We can force on them moratoriums of, hey, we're not going to sell combustible engines by this year 2025. For example, in California, you must go all electric. So you can, by government means, you can force it on a population. Is that going to have an effect worldwide? No, because Latin America, Asia, they're not going to do that. They are in it to make money uh, at the very top. And at the very bottom, they could care less about improving our world. Dude, some of these markets are still using leaded gasoline. Yeah, rightfully so. Am I right? Well, <laughs> I think I think you missed the, the the biggest tears. First of all, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, I've got one more thing. One more thing. But hey. no, th this complements what you're what you're saying that we're not going to be able to change our mind. A lot of these markets are still using animal dung and wood. Right. Yeah. So leaded gasoline. I mean, you're way, 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 way up there in in the industrial revolution for them to have gotten to that point. We're talking about individuals who are living hand-to-mouth, cooking their food on wood they collect that day. Okay, now go ahead. So we've talked about 
okay, is there something we can do about it? Yes. We've, we've said yes to that question. I, I mentioned you can't change. The one solution is you change the entire world's mindset. Not going to happen. That is impossible to do. You can't change a person's mind. They have to do that on their own. The reality that that's going to happen, not going to happen. Sean, Sean tries to do this all the time with me. Never happens. It works. <laughs> you just don't know it. That's true. Inception. Jedi mind tricks. There's a lot of Jedi. The second, the second solution would be, well, we're going to force the populations around the world to take on clean energy sources like uh, what is thrust on us in California or around the United States, which would be clean energy through electricity, through solar, and through wind. What you don't hear is nuclear. I'm going to get to that. I know you perked up. So no, 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 no. But but yeah, I would object to those even being classified as clean. But go ahead. Okay. So the last solution would be what I would argue is the only viable solution. Even if there is climate change, even if it is destroying humanity, and even if there is something we can do about it, the the best solution to that would be to innovate and to work hard. And I think that's the only solution that would be um, viable on a world world setting. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like, I mean, you, you, you mentioned, Sean, you would argue with this clean energy sources like solar and wind. My argument is nuclear. Go all nuclear using these small nuclear modules that they've designed that can power cities like Yuma easily. Well, and that's for the major grid. But I, I don't think nuclear is an answer overall, and I used to, but as I've researched this more, and, you know, Mark Schellenberger, he's a, uh, he's a wonderful advocate for nuclear, and so is <laughs> Alex Epstein. The, the point is, nuclear can be used well for things that are stationary, and, and very, very large mobile objects like submarines, potentially even airplanes, but not cars. You could use nuclear to charge batteries for electric cars, but uh, you're not going to have um, a nuclear reactor in an individual automobile driving around or in a small plane. You're going to have it for giant planes, for submarines, certainly for um, transatlantic uh, shipping. We should, that, those should all be nuclear. I don't understand why those are still burning on diesel fuel. We have the technology and have had it since the 60s, to have nuclear very safe and operated on these on these ships, and uh, so anyway, the, the things that we can't use nuclear for um, are cell phones, right? Um, the little the little electronics that we use every day and all the time, it would be hard to use nuclear for. But yes, for the main grid or for charging batteries you could use nuclear for, and I suppose to the extent that everything went to a battery-powered or propelled um, object, then yes, but I, I don't see a plane becoming a battery-operated or battery-propelled um, thing because batteries are just too darn heavy, right? And fossil fuel is so much more efficient and light in comparison to that, so nuclear would have a hard time transitioning into that. But for other things, yes, for the most part of it. So we can't go 100% nuclear, but we can solve a lot of the issues with it. Well, you missed my answer, though. I said innovation and work. And so, yes, in your, in your, I agree with you in our myopic view right now, but when you have a, when you have a innovator who comes in and says, well, we have this problem with an airplane where the batteries are really not a solution as we know them now. If we were to pack a battery or a, an airplane with lithium-ion batteries, it's way too heavy. We can't get that bird off the ground. 
but what if we reduce the weight of our battery technology? Let's look for ways to do that. So innovation and hard work yeah, absolutely. could solve those issues. That's what I'm arguing. And 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 here I will I will agree with you and 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 up the ante even a little bit more. Not just looking for one, two or three or four or five or six types of innovations like we're looking at wind and solar and what else is there? Wind and solar that are considered green energy. Oh, hydropower. Hydro. Yeah. Well, I know, but a lot of environmentalists don't even like that. Hydroelectric electricity. You know, they've they've dammed up the rivers and 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 they've created these artificial landscapes where the fish thrive and and all the wildlife around them do well, but it's not natural. Oh, I'm thinking like what Finland and Sweden. Yeah, you know, like you know they they're using the ocean. Oh, okay, okay, know? yeah. So there you go, uh, or or therm uh, geothermal. Oh yeah. And so those those are theoretically clean, and when I say theoretically, because you got to look into all of the materials that goes into manufacturing those things, and and the lifespan of the object. So the the materials that goes into manufacturing solar panels, that's not clean on the environment at all. You have to carve out huge gaping holes in the earth to get the raw material to to produce the solar panel and you and currently you're doing that by throwing the humanitarian efforts out the window by having child labor do it and uh, then you're leaving these gaping craters in the earth as a result so that's not that's not environmentally friendly to do that as far as solar goes you're doing these with um, a lot of it is fiberglass and that's produced through chemical reactions and it's not super environmentally friendly the bigger part is the lifespan of those uh, windmills is only about 25 years, and they're gigantic. And to uh, cut them up and dispose of them is is very difficult, and it, it's going to fill up large spaces of landfills. So then again, maybe you're not digging so large a holes to create them, but you're you're piling up debris to get rid of them. And the same thing with the solar panels. They only have a lifespan of right now about 25 years. And they've got a lot of metals that are environmental hazards that we got to dispose of properly, that we don't have really good large-scale clean recycling options for those. So those, that, that's, that's the reason my argument is on some, they're not actually environmentally friendly. They're not actually controlling... Um, the, the, the carbon footprint because it takes large machines to make these implements of solar power and wind power and even geothermal power and, and, and hydropower through the oceans, currents, and so on and so forth. So we haven't got to that point yet. Um, but what I would recommend and what, what has been proven throughout history and especially through this experiment, which is um, free market society and a, and a free society where people are allowed to own the objects of manufacturing and production is have a thousand options all competing against each other simultaneously. So we've got a thousand people competing in different levels of some combination of maybe some solar propelled energy in combination with nuclear, in combination with wind, in combination with hydro, in combination with something that we haven't even thought of yet, in combination with fusion and fission, and well, fission is nuclear, but fusion as well. And all of those things, all of those ideas coming out freely instead of the government, who we know and have 
shown been shown time and time again are the most incompetent people to run businesses telling us what type of alternative energy we need to be using and then funding all of our tax dollars into that type of alternative energy like solar and wind. It's like, no, don't fund any of it unless you do it on a merit basis and then fund a thousand different ideas and see which prevails in the free market with all of that innovation. We've got to go to a break. This is Life, Death, and the Law, 560 AM KBLU. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit YumaEstatePlanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Law. I'm attorney Adam Hanson. I'm in the studio today with uh, Sean Garner, my law partner. We've got Anna Karen, our resident uh, woman on the panel. <laughs> and then we've, you're, you are a woman, right? I, last I checked, yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, then we've got Cody Beeson pushing buttons. Don't shake your head at me, Sean. I, I was shaking head. Head at, my head at her <laughs> Response. assertion that she was a woman. You are a woman, correct? I am a woman, yes. Well, in the last segment, we talked about uh, climate issues, and um, I want you to speak for all women <laughs> all over the world. Oh, God. <laughs> is there climate change, and is there something, if so, is there something we can do about it, Anna Karen? That, that is such a heavy burden to put on me, you know that? <laughs> we love doing it, though. I know, I see that. Um, for for climate change, I believe climate change is, is I want to say it's real, but not to the extent that everyone's painting it as. Um, like it, it, like, yes, it, it is changing, but not to the rate that everyone again is painting it at. I do believe that like, um, that there is always a room to improve certain things like, um, uh, nuclear energy and stuff like that. I believe nuclear energy can help, but we have such a negative, uh, thought about nuclear energy because it's out in the media the media tells you it's bad look at what happened to Chernobyl look at what happened to this place or or what happened to this other place because that's all the media knows how to paint they know how to paint bad they don't they don't paint anything that's like hey you know what this is like taking so much like uh uh, like you don't have to use carbon emissions for for all this because this one uh, one um particular station is powering all of that but um but it's it's very easy to think just do bad. Now back to the topic at hand about the, uh, like uh, that you guys were talking about that most of the carbon emissions are coming from these poor countries. I am Hispanic. I have seen 
the 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 what he said about like people trying to survive in the porta potties outside. <laughs> I've seen those. I've seen the. Uh, I, I've seen all of that, and it's one of those like it, it's it's one of those like you're gonna go tell people it's like hey you are hurting the environment. It's like and they're just gonna turn around as like dude I just want to live. <laughs> it's like you give me what like I'll say I will do whatever you want as long as you pay my bills and you and, and you give me food. <laughs> or they pull a knife on you and say give me your wallet. That that's works probably too. what's going <laughs> to If you come up to a person and you tell them that on the streets of Brazil, yeah. that's going to happen to you. Did you know that in Brazil they tell you to take a fake wallet just in case they steal your real one? Oh yeah, absolutely. Sean knows this. Sean lived there for a couple of years. So yeah. Sean is well versed in uh being held up at knife point, right, Sean? <laughs> yeah, generally it was a headlock, but um either way it was pretty effective. And yeah, we kept uh, a, a couple dollars on us or the currency there was hey ice. Hey all is their dollar, and um, so yeah, we would we would give that over easily and never walk around with anything flashy. Yeah, and not be a target, right? Nothing on your your wrist, like a fancy watch or no something. watch, no sunglasses, um, no fancy belts, things like that. We didn't we couldn't ride bikes, which would have been extremely helpful because even that would um, make you a target. Yeah. And so if one of these individuals comes up to you on the street and you say, hey, they say, give me everything you have. And you say, well, man, you're really hurting the environment with that motorbike that you're driving. <laughs> How would that go over? It, not, right? It would not go over. They'd probably stab you just for the heck of it after you give them your stuff. <laughs> I would. Like on principle. <laughs> on, principle on principle alone. I'm going to stab you right <laughs> You should not be around. <laughs> right to the gut. So um, thank you for your view there, Anna Karen. Uh, Cody, what do you think? Is there climate change? Is there anything we can do about it if there is? I mean, I, I agree with Anna Karen in the sense that, yeah, I think humans do make some impact to something. But what we're seeing, um, you know, pushed on us is certainly um, an agenda or is certainly uh, something blown out of proportion. At the end of the day, if you really wanted companies to uh, be green and efficient, you let the market figure that out. And uh, I want my business to be efficient and, and reduce waste, of course, you know, so um, the profit margin will drive you there, not uh, government regulations. I mean, I think that's just going to take us in the wrong direction. Does the government know what we need? <laughs> Are they the experts? Have you been around for the last 100 years? Why do you say that, Anna Karen? <laughs> Because the government, uh, unfortunately to me, the government only, uh, like the way that I've seen it so far, the, only, the government only cares about itself. It cares only about itself. And like the people just happen to be the people that put, you, put them out there. But most of the time, like you'll see a lot of uh, like, uh, uh, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pass this regulation because it's good for the people. And then you look at the side, side of it and then you notice these big companies are getting these nice little cut breaks and stuff like that from said legislation, like um, said law or whatever that they just passed. And it's one of those like, are you really helping the people? Honestly, I believe that the government has stopped being for the people. The government has all like just is for themselves. It's all for me now. Uh, that's that's what I've I've had the idea of the government being for the longest but then again that's just my my view are you a domestic terrorist anna karen i am not a domestic terrorist because you sound like a domestic terrorist right now <laughs> i am not a domestic last terrorist. week there were stories i don't know if you followed this but uh, uh, there were stories about target my wife's favorite pastime how dare you and uh yeah so 
uh, Target was in the news uh-huh. for um, kind of showcasing transgenderism right when you walk it, it in. It really wasn't kind of. I mean, it was in your face right when you walk in the store. The, the biggest, most prominent area was transgender clothing. And so there was blowback on the conservative side regarding that. And so there was a massive boycott to the tune of billions, not millions, billions of dollars of lost revenue to Target. And I was interested in, what, well, what is their argument? You know, Can you defend what you're doing as a corporation like Target? And uh, what would be their reasoning? And so you've got two sides of the argument. You've got the conservative side and voices that are saying we need to not support that type of grooming of small children and our families and, and thrusting this on our families and our, our um, uh, what can be seen as a immoral type thing to do. And then you have Target and this corporation that's pushing this type of um, uh, idea on its consumer base. And they're saying, well, what's happened to us is a form of domestic terrorism. When you come at us and you don't frequent our stores because of products that we put mm. out there, we weren't hurting anybody. We weren't trying to hurt your family. And that's that you are hurting us. That's a domestic terrorism act. Um, what do you wait, think? Wait, about wait, that? sorry. Who's a domestic terrorist? Is it Target or is it the people that are the boycotting? People that are them? boycotting. That is uh, the argument right now. And I thought that was really an interesting wow. way to talk about. They've it. really this. taken this uh, domestic terrorist definition and broadened the scope. Holy cow! Yeah, and I mean, and they just called me one. So the corporation <laughs> is claiming to be the victim here. Yes, yes, absolutely. Don't you love that corporate counsel? Whoever pitched that idea to them well, and got them a, to buy that, and that's the spin, well, right? Anything, yes, that doesn't go along with. The woke agenda, which is, is, is basically you need to be tolerant of all views. If you're not, and it's not tolerant anymore, it's unless you embrace and are marching in the parade. And, then, advo- and advocate for. Yes, and, and buy, continue to buy the product that you disagree with, then you are hateful, bigot, hypocrite, and should be closed down and canceled out, which the irony there and the true hypocrisy is the cancel culture originated with wokeness. And now people who are doing what have, has been done throughout all free market, and that is voting with their wallet and shopping where they believe their values are embraced and the, the best goods and services are produced at, at the best prices, that now has become demonized. And so we can cancel you regardless of the, how good of service you're providing. If we don't agree with your ideology, that's, that's the woke theory. But we can't, on the other side, stop shopping at a location because we don't want their product and we don't like how they peddle it. Otherwise, that is domestic terrorism. That is the hypocrisy of all hypocrisies. I, to me, this is nuts because at the end of the day, if anybody was going to boycott Target because of this, they would have done that in 2016. With, with the uh, transgender bathrooms? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I, I was really surprised that that did not, that was not the issue, enough of an issue to this same conser- conservative base that we're talking about to do so. I remember talking to my wife about this. And I said, well, are you still going to go to Target? Yeah, I'm still going to go to Target when they did that restroom. But wasn't thing. it a single stall bathroom? Like it's it's unisex and one person goes in at a time, or is it no? Oh, no. so if I identify as a woman, I can go into the women's bathroom and use that. I see. And uh, there were I actually had, 
I remember going to Target with my family, and I have twin daughters, and there was a guy that went into the bathroom when they were in there, and they came out and told me about it. And it was I, I had a talking about it now gives me, you know, a sick feeling to my stomach. So it wasn't like nothing happened in, in this time frame. And I was really, really surprised about this same consumer base that's, you know, squawking now. Why is it now? Why why is it taking this many years? Is it do they feel like they have a, a more of a protected voice? Or what is it oh, now yeah. that oh. that uh gave them the I want to say it in Spanish, las ganas, like the... The need or well, the, yeah, Yes. Uh, it, it, honestly, it provides a microphone. If, if, they, if they cry discrimination, then whatever they're saying is amplified by a thousand times. And so all they've got to do is add in that word discriminatory, and now they are center stage, and the media focuses on them, and they can get their message out there without really trying all that hard, or even their message being legitimate in any way. And I think that that is what's happening right now. And the media is just so hungry for it because it's, it's I don't know, it's salacious. It sells. It's what people want to tune into. And that's why the media produces those types of stories. The media doesn't produce stories of families reuniting because people got over drug addiction or stopped watching pornography or, you know, all those other things because those are those are boring. They 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 talk about all of these high profile individuals that cheat on their families and then they celebrate um these musical artists that have two or three or four um baby mamas and uh they're celebrating all of them for Mother's Day, and that's apparently a good thing, when in reality that's destroying our society. We got to go. This is Life, Death, and Law, 560 AM, KBLU. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. Hey, Yuma, Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.